And we're back with another episode of Franchise My Business, the podcast for franchisors, hosted by franchisors. You know who I am, Kevin Oldham. I'm your host. This show is not about me. It's about our guests on Thursday. And every Thursday, we talk to generally a founder of an emerging franchise system. Um, I think you guys know that I love all of our guests. I love hearing the stories. But the ones that the ones that I resonate most with are businesses that are founded um, out of something that's deeply personal. Because when you found a business, you launch a business based on something like impact on your family or society or whatever your big why is. It really drives people to join into your mission. And so um, I'm excited to have today's guest because he's got some really cool hobbies, like he just became a certified pilot. He's a wingsuit pilot with over a thousand parachute jumps, and he's still alive to talk about it. I'm sure he's going to say it's super, super safe when you train. Uh, But moreover, we have the CEO of Natural Life Franchise on. His name is Gabriel Suarez, and he founded this business because um, his younger brother had or had juvenile arthritis and was looking for a lot of kind of more natural ways to help his brother. It was the inspiration behind this entire business. So I'm going to shut up. We're going to welcome Gabriel to the show. Welcome, sir. How are you? Thank you. I appreciate your time today and I'm doing great. Awesome. for having me. Yeah, man. It's, uh, It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. I want to get to your founder's story and then we'll start talking about like hobbies and family and stuff like that. Um, but let's talk about let's talk about your brother and how you decided to found this company and the driving forces behind it, and then we'll get into kind of like what you guys do in the franchise space. Yeah, absolutely. You know, just like you said in the intro, there, uh, there's a lot of uh, internal motivation behind this brand. So my youngest brother was born and still has uncurable juvenile arthritis, is a disease that's pretty rare. But if you hit the lottery, it's there's no cure for it to this day. Lots of treatments. Uh, and so I grew up a lifestyle with my family where that was kind of the focus and the core of the family is figuring out what then, you know, what, how to create a, uh, an effective treatment for my brother and my parents took him from expert to expert around the nation, talked to everyone that claimed they knew how to, how to provide relief. And my brother, uh, over the years grew tired of trying treatment after treatment to get temporary relief, if any, uh, and, and, uh, sure, surely every time his body would adapt or for one reason or another, the treatments would become ineffective and he would be back to, uh, you know, a very handicapped self uh, mm. when it's a, when the arthritis would have flare-ups, which was common when he wasn't under any treatment. Mm. So as he got a little older uh, and he was more savvy to doing research and learning about the resources in the world, he started making, making me aware of natural uh, botanicals and plants that he was reading about that might help his problems. Uh, so then he started trying to, get his hands on stuff and started making his own little contraptions. And I got to live through that. And it got me interested in like helping him find the right solution. And I started, as I started kind of trying to assist in this process, mm-hmm. I realized that there's so much good out there that's all natural and grows out of the earth essentially and does great things. And nobody either knows about it or has access to it. Mm-hmm. And it's almost a shame that we only have one option, which I'm not against a synthetic as a synthetic solution when that's the right solution, a prescription drug, uh, you know, even sometimes uh, some other Western medicine style type of uh, treatment. But the fact that we don't have the option to choose a natural option or uh, essentially Western medicine type of option 
it's I thought wasn't right. And as I'm helping my brother, I realized, well, everybody needs access to this stuff. Mm -hmm. And there came the idea of this create like a natural pharmacy. Uh, you know, we'll call it an, a wellness store. We'll stock it with all kinds of natural solutions uh, and create a, uh, an outlet for people to go to when they maybe when the orange pill bottle, bottle isn't working out like they were hoping yeah. or the long list of side effects is actually catching up with them or many other reasons. Some people just the treatment a doctor recommends just isn't effective and a natural alternative could be. Mm -hmm. uh, so for whatever reason everybody has, we thought let's open the first natural life and create that natural outlet uh, and then that's what got us today to, to where we are today and it's always really been about creating education and access to these resources so people either don't know they exist or don't know where to get them and we try to fix both of those problems yeah that's cool and also like it can be also a confusing landscape with a lot of misinformation too like if you go on the internet and you start looking for homeopathic or natural cures for fill in the blank you don't know what's fact or fiction. And ultimately it's like, um, you know, cause I, cause I've used some like, um, CBD and things like that. I have a autoimmune uh, disease psoriasis. I'm totally flared up right now because it's winter here in Kansas city. It's like, it's terrible. Right. And so, um, you know, I've always searched for cures, like different things and went through all the medical stuff, you know, prescribed types of solutions. And in some cases they actually, could have made me worse, right? Like immune suppression, immune system suppression and things like that, where you could, you know, had to get tuberculosis tests like every six months. I'm like, no, we're not going to do that. Like, I'm going to go try this natural path. And when you get out into that natural path, it can be confusing. So I think it's really cool that you guys have uh, like kind of a, I'll just say kind of a patient focused, uh, you know, educational component, right? Because once people understand that there's these resources that are available and maybe they can have a conversation with somebody that has, you know, maybe seen somebody that's been in their shoes, although your brother's shoes are very rare, but you know, other, other issues that people deal with, let's just say anxiety. That's a big one that a lot of Americans deal with anxiety. Hey, I've got anxiety. Yeah. I've tried the, you know, fill in the blank prescriptions and they don't work or I don't like how they make me feel. Right. Cool. There's alternatives. And here's a trusted resource. Um, so that's really, really cool. How many locations do you guys have today? Today we have 27 territories. Awesome. Awesome. All the United States or you trickled up? Yeah, all the United States. We span across 10 states right now. Nice. You know, fingers crossed. We'll, that'll be 11 states just in a few days. We have a, um, somebody really close to joining the family. Yeah. And we're trying to, you know, uh, entertain prospects regularly where that kind of beginning stages of kind of accelerating growth uh, and getting more attention. That's we launched awesome. it in, in the early 2020. And you guys, when, when people go into your stores, are they all your products or are they your products plus third parties that you're um, selling? Like, what does it look like when somebody walks into a natural life uh, location? Yeah. When somebody walks into a store, they're going to see products from under the natural life line, as okay. well as all the other well-known respected manufacturers in some of the more popular fields. Sure. Uh, so we don't have just our brand, uh, but we do have our brand along with everybody else's brand. Yeah. And our brand is usually competitively priced and, you know, has better margins for the franchisee. Uh, and it's where we try to usually steer a customer once we have their trust. But a lot of times it's easy to gain somebody's trust when they're, when we have what they already saw on social media or yeah. On, yeah, on, on, on somebody else's recommendation. So, you know, if, um, 
you know, all the big reputable companies manufacture anything in our space, we carry them. So we, you know, we, I own a a business called the smoothie shop and supplements. You know, we sell way more smoothies than we do supplements, just curated line. And one of the things that we've done is we've also created a few of our own SKUs, um, mostly like protein, because that's one of the main ingredients that goes in our smoothies. And we've had, I'm curious as to if you've seen this uh, as well, but supply chain issues in just our raw ingredients to manufacture, you know, our supplements and things like that. I know that you're doing a lot in like CBD. So maybe, you know, you can have that pro- like grown here. It's not coming from Asia or somewhere. Right. Um, but have you guys had any like major supply chain disruptions in manufacturing your own stuff of basically since the past three years, like we have? Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Yes and no. We have yeah. not had any issues with supply chain of the actual products that yeah. people consume because our industry is still growing and it's young. There's not a huge demand yet and it is growing, but awareness is exponentially growing every day, but it's still at a, at a minimal compared yeah. to you know how many people aren't aware. But funny enough, the packaging side of our products yeah. is where we have had supply chain issues. So yeah. it's sad to say that sometimes we've had products delayed on coming out or being released not because you know the wellness uh, ingredients are missing or the supply chain but because the cap on the bottle yeah backed up by three weeks yeah yeah it's a weird time like we're having a hard time with cups like that's a problem when you run a smoothie shop getting reliable supply of like this we're having a hard time like you can go get cups it's the consistency of the cups like we designed a branded cup that we could print on and they stopped making that it was paper so we went to plastic and now it's like Every time I go into one of our stores, I'm like, what is going on with our cup situation? And it's all just supply chain stuff. It's crazy, you know? And so, yeah, yeah those things, right. yeah. Packaging's, packaging's actually a thing. If you're listening, packaging is a thing right now. Raw ingredients are starting to catch up and there's all sorts of other weird things. Okay, let's talk about your super weird hobbies because um, if you're watching on video, I'm 48. I skateboard still, martial artist. I'm actually having surgery a week from today to remove a bone fragment. And so I'm going to be laid up and I'm going to go ahead and say my hobbies are nothing in terms of, um, you know, people look at me and they're like, well, that's kind of moderately dangerous. Yeah. But I'm on the ground and both of your hobbies, dude, you're doing crazy things up in the air. So talk to us about like your big accomplishment that you just, Notched up, and then let's talk about how you jump out of perfectly good airplanes with just like a suit on, because I think that's nuts as well. So, um, you're a recent pilot. Yes, sir. So, for the past couple of years, while juggling the growth of natural life, I've been very part time doing pilot school. Yeah. Uh, I figured it long term, I love the idea of having uh, access to everything, you know, via aviation versus having to drive uh, in like private aviation. So, First step is to learn how to fly the planes before you can go, you know, into looking at owning one one day. So that's why I checked that box off just about 10 days ago. Uh, two weeks, awesome. two years of part-time pilot school, and now I got my license and can fly small, conservative planes, and yeah. from there we'll, we'll grow. Dude, that's awesome. And then you jump out of some perfectly amazing planes. So let's talk about that. Like, what is that yeah. hobby? I think I've seen it on TV once. And played a video game with so, it, too. <laughs> Oh, it's funny. It's funny. You know, so I never, you know, thinking about what I do now, it does sound crazy. When you 
think of it and, and kind of state it as it is today. But it was very baby steps to be, you know, flying these wingsuits and all that cool stuff that, yeah. you know, I'm sure we're going to talk about. But, you know, back in college, I think it was, some friends dragged me for a tandem skydive, as a lot of people could say they've done. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not yeah. everybody, but it's a relatively more common thing. The tandem skydive, and back then I was a young, I drove a motorcycle. I, you know, I was young. I, you know, like to have fun, go fast, all that good stuff. Yep. I thought it was great. It's like the year or two later, another set of friends are going skydiving. I'm like, oh, I'll go do another tandem. And, you know, fast forward three or four years and maybe three tandems later. So okay. every year or so, some group of friends is going and I tag along. Uh, I'm on the third one of these and I'm like, you know, what, how hard is it to not have this guy attached to me? I mean, I don't really want to skydive all the time, but it'd be cool to, I've done this enough now with you strapped to me. I'm curious what it's like without you strapped to me. So then I get sell, sold on. It's just a few of these steps and classes and a couple more jumps and you'll do it with your own parachute. I was like, oh, why not? And that, you know, it's always been kind of like, oh, what's the next little baby step? And that's ended up here. But I did that. And then I was like, well, now I'm only a few jumps from getting a skydiving license. Let me get that. <laughs> and then, you know, I'm like, well, now that I can do that, I can jump with other people. So let me try jumping with other people. It might be fun. And then I'm like, oh, that's a lot of fun. Let me do, let me go tag along on these group jumps more. <laughs> and then I'm like, well, now that I'm doing that, maybe I can, I know I qualify to go to these like, skydiving events where we do like organized like oh, fun yeah, jumps, like over the yeah, beach and yeah. like, other cool stuff um and i'm like oh cool and so now that i have enough jumps i'm have enough jumps that i could try a wingsuit if i wanted to maybe i should try a wingsuit you know and so it's just <laughs> in that fast forward 10 years yeah. or so you know i'm over a thousand parachute jumps and i mostly <laughs> fly the wingsuit uh whether i'm jumping out of an airplane or jumping off of a fixed object um and i do it, you know, don't do it as often today. I have young kids, as we talked about, I have twins that are two years old and I have a six year old. But up until the twins were born, I was a more active. Yeah. And uh, I still do it part time. Do you? Uh, or, yeah. you know, when I can here. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I, I pick my jumps on more conservatively sure. and I, you know, do, do everything in more, much more conservative calculations. Uh, mm-hmm. But with the experience I have and the gear and, and everything that I've been doing, I feel like I'm, you know, as long as I play it conservatively, it's relatively equal to a lot of just daily driving we do every day and yeah. things like that. And as far as risk, you know, tolerance. And you're actually, you're absolutely right. It's like daily driving, dude, so many distracted drivers and things like that. I'm like, I, things that I used to think are relatively dangerous. And then I compare them to driving down the highway and somebody's like doing this and they don't have autopilot, I'm, you know, and they're on their phone. I'm like, okay, we're just playing roulette out here anyway. Um, so yeah, kudos to you, man. Um, Young family, younger business, lots of jumps. What else is going on in your life? I mean, that's got to keep you that's busy. How you pull, like, that's how you pull that skateboard out there. So I, <laughs> I also skateboard. Yeah! I was a sponsor skater back in high school. Heck and, yeah. And uh, I went to college and kind of put it a little bit on the side. But I, I uh, had a half pipe or a mini ramp, small half pipe in my backyard. Yeah. Where I, you know, all through college and, and even a few years into after college. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's cool. Yeah. I still have a bunch of skateboards in my garage, a big stack of them. Do you? And uh, ride it from time to time. A lot, a lot of people uh, don't know that, that. you know, I'll oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, a lot of people don't know, because I, I don't know, maybe I've talked about it once, but my mom owned a skateboard store. And that's really part of what, when I was a kid, like she opened one, her and my dad, you know, back in 83, 84, back when Tony Hawk was coming up, Steve Cavalier, all these guys, right? When boards went from narrow yeah. to wide. And I lived in Topeka, Kansas, and you couldn't buy one there, right? And so they solved that problem. 
And, um, but unlike you, it sounds like, like I took a 30 year break and then picked it back up as an adult. So my question is, have you continued to like from your, from your childhood through now, have you just kept your skills up? Uh, yeah, I mean, not up a hundred percent. Right. But know, still but like I've, you I've had a board and you'd actually ride. Longest break. Yeah. Longest break, maybe six months. Okay. Know, my good for life. you, man. It's so good for, and, yeah. and people don't know this if you're not a skateboarder, but I like to say it's very similar to any other kind of Zen type of sport where you have to focus 100% on what you're doing, because if you don't, you can get hurt pretty easy, right? And I love those types of athletic pursuits because for me, they're very meditative. Like I, I've taken so many pictures at our skate park you know, go with my son or whatever. And I'll be like, this is church. Like this is a, almost a holy place for me where I'm reconnecting with my youth. And I get that, I get that alive feeling of an eight-year-old child. Right. And I'm just free flowing and I'm paying attention. You're locked in because, you know, if you're trying to, like, I got my Ollie back last summer, that was a huge thing for me. And I'm like, okay. Nice. Congratulations. Well, thank you. It was, it, I'm really proud of my Ollie again. Like I'm, it's not, it's not as awesome as it used to be and graceful, but I'm leaving the ground and it looks good. And so, um, but those types of things, like to me, they're one of my superpowers as an entrepreneur. And I don't know about you, but like my hobbies have, have directly contributed to me being a better leader, a better husband, a better father, like all of these things. And somebody, you know, a coach of mine and a good friend tried to tell me that I needed hobbies like three years ago. And I was looking at him like, he's crazy. Like, I'm like, dude, I don't have time. And now I realize that I still really don't have a lot of time, but I need to prioritize that. Because if I'm going to bring things to our franchisees and our clients and, you know, our customers and everybody that we serve, we got to be good ourselves. Do you feel like the same way, particularly because you got three kids, you got twins. It's like chaos when you walk in the door, I'm sure. Right. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's stressful just thinking about whole balancing and prioritizing for me. <laughs> but I do that I can. You know, my biggest challenge, biggest challenge is finding more hours in the day. If you figure that out, oh, please call me. You can. You can. I, I do the best I can. Yeah. You know, sometimes I don't get enough sleep, uh, but I prioritize the kids. That's number one. Yeah. And then after that, you know, it's a juggle of business and hobbies. Yeah. You know, but, you know, business gets a little more, usually hobbies get a little less, you know, and yeah. you know, but sometimes doing in spurts, like I might work really hard for a period amount of time, but then I'll go take two or three days, two day, three days off and go do my hobby, like yeah. heavily somewhere, you know, like fun, in a, that, like exotic destination or something. Yeah. Um, and then come back and work really hard for some time. So, but I, you know, I definitely have always had a lot of fun, like doing activities since I was young. And I've done a decent job of maintaining that. And I, now I kind of like make that a priority. Like, you know, don't put that down because it's a lot harder to pick things back up. And time just goes by. And next thing you know, you're old and you're like, oh, man, I haven't done anything in 20 years. And I feel like people that stay active, they don't age the same. And you can, mm -hmm. you know, you could be 60 years old, still skateboarding. Hell yeah. Keep skateboarding. Yeah. I mean, try to not going to be all in, but I'll probably be like longboarding, right? Or whatever, cruising. And Kind of that's like Absolutely. my like that's been my philosophy with all this stuff. Like this is an old man board I just showed you. It's got the soft wheels. In my trunk I keep a hard wheels pop popsicle skate you know trick board for when we're at the skate park. And 
I don't know, like with you and your life and me and my life being busy and such, like if I told my wife when I came home, hey, I'm going to go skateboarding just by myself and leave the kids and everything, like that wouldn't go over well, right? So what are the, some of the secrets I use and entrepreneurs that are listening, you know, if you're thinking about, hey, like I need a hobby or whatever, um, let's say you're a guitar player. If I were a guitar player, I would probably keep a guitar here so that, you know, every once in a while throughout the day, I could I could pluck my guitar, right? I keep my skateboard here. Why? So I can do a hot lap around the building to make me feel alive. And maybe that's all I do that day. But I did something for me. And I think that I've found that one of the superpowers for um, a well-balanced life is to have some things that you're doing for the for yourself as an entrepreneur, particularly when you have a young family, particularly when you're running a business. All of these things are super, super important. And if you don't take care of yourself, then you can't bring the best to everybody else. And so it's a balance, man. And it's tough, but hobbies are cool. Thanks for sharing some weird hobbies with us. Some super cool ones. Oh, you're welcome. Like I love the, the wingsuit thing. Did you, uh, do you ever bring that thing out just to freak people out? Like um, on an airplane, a uh, commercial airplane flight, do you have you ever flown with it in your bag and they're like, what yeah, is this thing? And you, you know, TSA gets a little concerned. Is, yeah. They, I mean, they, I, when I fly with it, a lot of times on my way to an event, if I'm going to be using the wingsuit, uh-huh. the parachute, I'll bring it on the plane because I don't want to lose my yeah, luggage and then it ruins for my sure. trip because that's not something I can just replace when I land. Um, so I'll pack all my clothing under the plane. If I lose that, you know, I can deal with it yeah. and I'll bring what I need, like my parachute wingsuit on the plane. So TSA regularly has, it's like, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's like a red light. It's yeah. like, dude, what are you doing with a wingsuit yeah. on a freaking um, Southwest flight? <laughs> and I have a, I have, to, I have to bring a card with me that explains how the reserve parachute can't, has to be packed by a certified packer and they can't open it. Or if not, like it can't be closed again. Uh, <laughs> and then so that they don't open the yeah. reserve parachute. Yeah. Uh, because that would be, and then there's a whole thing about like going to use sharp objects, like you need to look in here, oh and like, just, I have to give them this kind of like, before you touch that, please read this. Um, <laughs> so it's kind of fun. And is it 100% of the time? On hand. Is it 100% of the uh, time when you? 95. 95. <laughs> My home airport now knows me, like where I fly out of, I, I live in a small town. Right, in Tallahassee? So they're like, oh, yeah. it's you again with the weird, yeah, in Tallahassee. Town. <laughs> That's not a problem. <laughs> and then uh, on the, a funny story would be uh, one time I had my parachute out of a bag just on me like a backpack and I'm getting on the plane uh, just because I didn't have like I forget why I wasn't being carried inside of a container or like in like, a closed bag so I have it I have the backpack on with just the parachute I'm walking to the plane and then I'm getting onto my seat and the person next to me looks at me and is like is that a parachute you're wearing and I look at him with the most serious face I could make and I say yeah, they gave it to me at the door. Did you not get one? <laughs> <laughs> and the guy, you know, just for a, a millisecond there, the guy's face is dropped and he's pale and he's like super confused. And then yeah, we laugh about it. But um, it was pretty, a pretty funny moment there. Dude, that's uh, that's actually it's, awesome. Uh, that's awesome. Thing. Yeah. I had a uh, another weird thing about me is I'm a race car driver. And um, they're $500 race cars. It's called that's 24 Hours. Cool. Yeah, 24 Hours of Lemons. And... I got five partners on our race team, and one of our guys was flying, uh, I think, a Spirit or Frontier. One of those, one of those places that charges you for everything, right? Nickel. And I'm a Southwest guy, so I'm not used to that. But he, uh, he had his helmet. He had his racing helmet, and I think it was going to cost money or something to store it. And so for landing and takeoff, he put it on his head. 
and he sent us pictures. <laughs> and so he's got like a full race helmet on <laughs> sitting in his airplane suit. Airline suit and passengers got to be looking at him like, what is this dude doing? And believe it or not, there's not restrictions, I believe, uh, against wearing a, a helmet on an airplane, on a commercial airplane. So you can do that if that's something you want to do. Go, go ahead and wear a helmet. That's funny. <laughs> All right, my friend. If people want to learn more about your business or you, what is the best place for them to go online and sync up? Maybe somebody's uh, you know, thinking about getting into the natural medicine business. Absolutely. So you can find us at naturallifefranchise.com. Uh, and if you're curious about just helping yourself with some natural products and you know, even just uh, from a consumer shopping standpoint, uh, you can find it all from naturallifefranchise.com. Uh, but we have an online retail storefront at shopnaturallife.com, S-H-O-P naturallife.com. They link to each other. You can find each site within each site. Um, but uh, that's the easiest way to find us. Um, my email is gabriel at shopnaturallife.com. And I love telling people about natural life. So look forward to hearing from anyone. Awesome. And if you're driving, we'll drop those in the show notes. Please don't uh, take the wheel right now. Gabriel, definitely appreciate your time. Moreover, I enjoyed learning about you and your, your fun hobbies. I think that, uh, as you can tell, I think it's important. I've benefited from it. You've benefited from it. So if you're not listening and you're not doing some things for yourself, figure out it doesn't have to be big, five, 10 minutes a day, but something you do for yourself that will make you a sharper and better entrepreneur. Until next time, I'm your host, Kevin Oldham. Have a phenomenal week. Be well.